But when we're waiting for something outside of us to change our insides, it's never going to be sustainable. And so now that we're kind of re-entering and re-getting back into our lives, we're testing that. We're feeling it. We're like, ooh, what is familiar? What's not working for me? Welcome to Raising Adults, the groundbreaking parenting podcast that starts with the end in mind. We're your co-hosts, Dina Thayer and Kira Dorian. We created future-focused parenting to take families from surviving to thriving. So join us as we help you stop raising kids and start raising adults. everyone. Welcome to another episode of Raising Adults. We're excited to have all of you future-focused parents with us today. And have we got a topic for you? We have Heather Chauvin with us today, and she is going to talk all about what do we do with this overwhelm that hits us as parents and the stress that we often feel. She has some great ways to cut through that and get you back feeling in control of your own life. And especially as we look toward the coming of the new year, what a great time to refocus on that. So I'm going to introduce her and then we will dive in. Heather Chauvin is with us today, and she's a leadership coach who helps ambitious, overwhelmed women conquer their fears and become leaders at work and home. Drawing from her professional experience as a social worker and her life experience raising three boys, Heather created a signature approach to help her clients create and enjoy sustainability, profitability, and ease in both business and life. She's also the host of the Mom is in Control podcast, where she reveals her most vulnerable truths about womanhood, marriage, parenting, living through stage four cancer, and running a successful business without burning out. She just released her first book this year as well. It's called Dying to Be a Good Mother. When Heather isn't busy driving her boys to hockey practice, you can find her curled up on the couch next to her husband planning their next family adventure. Heather, welcome to Raising Adults. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much, ladies. I'm excited for this conversation. We are definitely looking forward to it as well. I know we're going to personally benefit, and I'm sure that our listeners will as well. So before we dive into all the overwhelm stuff and all the amazing knowledge I know you're going to hit us with. Can you just tell us maybe a little bit, I I got to hear a little bit about you, but you can tell us a little more about you and how you even got into this work that you do. Mm -hmm. Well, there's no secrets. That's what I'll tell everybody. It's intentional action and effort. But like you said, my background is in social work and I'm a mother of three. They are currently 16, 11, and nine, always changing their ages and screwing up my elevator pitch. Every time I'm asked that question, (laughs) Um, I'm always like, oh, dang, how old are they now? One has a birthday and I'm totally off. So motherhood being a mother. So it was 16 years ago when I became a mother, I was 18 years old and I already felt like I was failing as a mother. I remember looking at my son thinking, I screwed up. I did this wrong. I'm single. I am overwhelmed. I'm broke. I'm uneducated. I feel like the odds are against me. And yet, yet there is so much possibility. So fast forward, I went to school for social work, of course, through through the lens of being wildly determined to overcome all of my obstacles and become the person that I wanted my child to be. 
but not really from a healthy place, from like a fear-based place, you know, when you're like, oh, I'm doing this. And people are giving you great feedback. Meanwhile, internally, you're like, I hope I'm not screwing this up. So I became obsessed with mental health, um, child development, because I was running and running and running away from wanting my son to feel, to never feel the way that I felt as a child and trying to overcompensate for being a young parent. So fast forward, here I am as a mom with my education, doing all the things, reading the books, going to the physicians, the therapists, the workshops, and inside feeling like I'm still failing, but having this little voice and intuition that's saying, this isn't it. There's something more. There's something more. And then fast forward again. And what I noticed was all of my clients, I left social work and decided to jump online and be more proactive and just educational with, um, with my message. And what I noticed was that my clients were saying to me, I can't implement what you're telling me because my business at that point was very child focused. I was talking about teaching meditation and mindfulness and mindful-based stress reduction. And like, you'll understand why I'm laughing in a second, mindful-based stress reduction techniques to children. And then, you know, my parents are saying to me, I don't have time for this. I'm so overwhelmed. Um, I can't implement this with my child. I'm yelling. I'm reactive. My marriage is falling apart. I hate my career, my health, blah, blah, blah. So eight years ago, as I'm building my business, my health deteriorated rapidly. And in hindsight, I was not on my to-do list at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I would always, always, always bump myself. But the truth was, I didn't know how to put myself on my own calendar And I was diagnosed with a stage four uh, rapid growing cancer, and I had to completely stop everything. And so I had all of this knowledge, all of this awareness of personal development, emotional intelligence, um, you know, the modern everything. I had it all. And I'm sitting there going, okay, I get it. I need to stop running away from how I want to feel and really get the courage to step into the woman I want to be, which is going to positively influence every aspect of my life. And that was the day that I decided to, you know, when my clients were coming to me and say, my child's behavior, my child's behavior, my child's behavior. I'm like, you cannot learn when your brain is in survival mode. We need to get you like stable and thriving first before we can attend to their behavioral needs. And then, so we started focusing on um, the parent first and ironically, they were reacting different to their children's behavior. So that's where we are today. Wow. That's, I love this. (laughs) This is basically like everything that Dina and I talk about when it comes to children and like, let's maybe, let's maybe look at that for ourselves. (laughs) Like we need to be emotionally intelligent too. And we need to be self-regulating and all of that. So this is very cool. I really, really like that. It really reminds me of how you talk all the time about putting on your own oxygen mask first. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. What's interesting to me is that your, your life stopped, right? You get this diagnosis and your life stopped. And I think we've all as a globe experienced something akin to that recently, right? Where life just kind of stopped. Mm -hmm. So 
we're a little bit past the stopping point, but I'm curious if you can share. So like what happened in that time? How did you recalibrate? How did you adjust? How did you give yourself what you needed to come out of that time period feeling how you're feeling now? Yeah. So I'll tell you the work is never done. I mean, I'm almost eight years in post that moment in that time. And it's, there's that saying like new level, new devil and, or like, what's your next step, right? Like the work is never done. You can't just take a six to eight week program on anything and decide after that eight weeks that you're, you're completely done. And so habits, habits are a big thing, but it's also about completely rewiring your brain. And when I say completely rewiring your brain, this is on a daily basis. This is not an overnight thing. But I remember that moment when I was diagnosed, I walked out of the hospital and I just remember looking up. And at that time I was still redefining my relationship with God, universe, source, something bigger than me. And I just remember looking up and thinking, okay, you finally have my attention. And what I was really what I meant internally at that moment was I'm going to listen. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to get quiet with myself. And it wasn't that I didn't need the education. It was that I needed the implementation. And so the last year and a half, it was interesting because when March, 2020 came around, I was having a deja vu moment. Like I've been here before I've been in isolation. I've been at this moment where my life stopped And I heard two, two sides of the story. I heard the one where people were like, oh, good, I can catch a break from my life now. And then the other side where people, you know, it it was wildly impactful for them and it did the opposite. And so they either woke up because they were like, wow, my life is not sustainable. I need to completely change something or manage my mental health or whatever that is, or the opposite where they felt like they were catching a break. But when we're waiting for something outside of us to change our insides, it's never going to be sustainable. And so now that we're kind of re-entering and re-getting back into our lives, we're testing that. We're feeling it. We're like, ooh, what is familiar? What's not working for me? So the first thing I did, I just took, I did a brain dump of everything in my life. I call it my not this list because I think it's very um, easy for us to write a list out of what is not working in our lives. And so I had this not this list and it was a really long list and then I flipped it. And so it was like, not this, I want to stop yelling. I want to stop running. I want to, I, you know, I want to stop feeling um, so anxious, overwhelmed, um, depleted, being in debt, like all of these things. And I was like, well, what's the opposite? If that's what you don't want, what do you do want? Well, I want to feel alive. I want to feel energized. I want to feel abundant. I want to feel freedom. I want to feel peace. We all know we want these things. That's typically what I hear from people, but then we don't take any action to implement it. And then we have this all or nothing mindset. And so when I went into my every day, when I had absolutely nothing, when I was coming home from treatments or I like completely exhausted, I would ask myself, how do you want to feel? Okay, well, I want to feel strong and energized. Well, right now I'm feeling dead inside and lack of energy. So what's one thing that I can do right now, like right now to boost myself a little bit? And it it was something like go take a shower. 
go sit on the porch, uh, watch a show with the kids, just sit there and cuddle, you know, reserve your voice, just talk slower, walk slower. And I watched that when I was asking myself, how do you want to feel? And I started kind of pivoting my actions, my words, my communication, my um, approach, my energy to my children, to my husband, to my work, things changed. And then I realized that the thing I was always running away from wasn't necessarily, you know, my excuses of, I don't know what to do, or I'm so overwhelmed. It was my resistance. And so for the last eight years, I have Well, I wouldn't say I've learned to master. I'm still developing a very intimate relationship with my resistance, my fear, and my guilt. And that to me are those three pillars, like fear, resistance, and guilt. If you learn how to master those like emotions within yourself, I believe you can get to anything. Mm, That's really powerful. There's so much about this that's standing out to me. I mean, I'm, I'm literally like texting myself notes, Heather, because, because I think the thing is, is you've said some things that Kira and I say all the time, but what I love and what's powerful is you're saying them in a new and fresh way. And I think sometimes I know this is true for me. I'm guessing it's true for our listeners too. Sometimes you need to hear something several times, but then, then it strikes you in this new way. And that that's maybe the impetus for the action or the impetus for that, that change that's coming because you hear it in a fresh way. It falls, falls on you in a fresh way because we talk all the time about being intentional, but I've never heard the exact phrase you used. Like I wasn't putting myself on the calendar. I love that. That's really powerful. We talked about writing down your self-care in your planner, like making it a, a, a date, but putting yourself on your calendar. What what a powerful way to say that. And and the idea that we can't get complacent, right? This work is never done. There's always more, there's always more to learn and more ways to grow and get past that resistance, fear, and guilt like you're talking about. And the other thing I I think is really powerful is this idea of waiting for something external. You know, what's the next system or plan or strategy that's going to solve it for me? (laughs) And when we're waiting for that, it doesn't get solved. You know, that isn't, that isn't the key that it's got to come from somewhere else, not just some great system. That said, I know and agree with what you said earlier. I know that you're big on the practical side of it, that this is action. This is intention. This isn't just some philosophy. And Kira and I also find a lot of value in that. We try to really move quickly from the philosophical into the practical because parents do want to know, but but what do I do, right? How, how do I get there? And I'm curious, some of these maybe would be on on your list of tools because do you recommend that your clients make the the not this list or do the, well, what can I do in this moment to feel the way I want to feel? What are the things that not only that you just described, but what do you recommend for people if they're at that point where, Hey, I feel like that rubber band that's stretched almost to the breaking Mm -hmm. point. What are some first steps I can take to be breaking out of that? What would you suggest? I feel like there's the options are endless for people, but what I will say is when you were talking, Dina, what came up for me was that you know, the whole mirroring, right? I think first we have to realize that what we want and desire for somebody else is really what we want and desire for ourselves. 
And that is very philosophical, but that's also called controlling behavior. Like there's a reason why my podcast is called mom is in control. It is one of the most um, Googled like SEO. Like I ask people all the time, how'd you find me? They're like, mom control, parenting control. When we want to control something externally, our time, our energy, somebody else's behavior, you have to realize that the reason why we're doing that is because we feel out of control internally. And if you can break it down, I am so practical, so practical. So the first thing, I mean, there's so many tips, there's so many strategies, whatever you want or desire for somebody else, turn it back on yourself. Like literally write it down. I wish my children would listen to me, cross out your children and put yourself. I wish I would listen to myself. What does that mean? I wish I could listen to myself. That's a, I get that that's a big philosophical question, but here's the point. Your body, your mind, your life is literally screaming at you. So sometimes the simplest things are pen to paper, which people resist. And it's just taking, putting a five minute timer on your phone and writing down, this is my favorite journal prompt ever. Because everyone's always like, I need journal prompts. I need journal prompts. This is my go-to all the time. Wouldn't it be nice if, because whatever you write after that sentence, wouldn't it be nice if dot, 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 just for five minutes, wouldn't it be nice if I could have a glass of water? Wouldn't it be nice if I didn't have to work X amount a week? Wouldn't it be nice if I could have Fridays off? Wouldn't it be nice if I could take my bra off? Wouldn't it be nice if blah, 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 blah. Everything that you put under that is a desire from within you. And women walk around this earth pretending that they are robots, pretending that they don't matter, pretending that, you know, when you really think about it, we probably take better care of our house plants than we do our own bodies. We water the plants and we can't remember the last time we drank water. And then people go from all like the all or nothing right? Like I had to break that mindset within myself of, okay, I'm either on the couch or I'm running a marathon. Like, how about I just get my shoes on and I walk around the block and that, you know, that's a huge success for the day. And so you have to remember that incremental change and you start to nurture yourself and bring yourself back to life. So there's a lot of things out there. And I think we get overwhelmed with all the tools and all the strategies So back to basics, lock yourself in a room, lock yourself in the car, put a timer on or don't put a timer on. If you're going to be distracted with your phone, put your phone somewhere else, pen to paper. Wouldn't it be nice if, and give yourself permission to dump that out. You know, this is so perfect with having this conversation with Heather about overwhelm and how busy and stressed we all get. I feel like it's just serendipity that we get to talk about cozy because this is the app that helps with some of that, right? Kind of cut through the clutter, get you organized. It's designed just for families. I mean, this is who it's designed for. And we're talking about this today. So, I mean, the fact that we're all re-emerging, we're starting to kind of peek out of our little dens and get busy again, your calendar can fill up. And I think it's great. And I know that your family personally uses this app. And so you can kind of attest to, hey, when things do start to pile up, it can really help to clear some of the ambiguity away and get you focused again and keep you on track. Yeah, it's great. And my favorite part is that it's free. (laughs) Like it's just a free app. 
there for you to get you organized and you can just kind of put everyone's schedule in one place. It sends you little alerts and reminders so you never miss a pickup or a doctor appointment. It was named a must-have app for a better life by the Today Show and that's kind of what we're talking about today is like how can I just make life feel that little bit better. So here's how it works. Cozy tracks everyone's schedules and events in one place and you have a shared color-coded calendar, which I happen to love. And then it reminds you about the events so you don't have to worry about it. And it's super easy to get started. So all you have to do is go to your place that you download apps and look up the word cozy. C-O-Z-I. It's the Cozy Family Organizer from the App Store. It's totally free and you can download it today. The incremental change piece is really interesting because I think for a lot of us, it's like, I just want change to happen right now. Let's just fix it right now. And and I think that idea that this is a journey and not a destination, that this is slow and intentional, takes the pressure off a little bit. So I really appreciate you you sharing it in that way. And so I'd love to dive into those three pillars because you mentioned it when you were talking about this, that people are resistant to writing this down, right? And these three pillars, they really struck me. So remind me again, we've got resistance, fear, and what was the third one? Guilt. Guilt, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk a little bit about those three pillars? And are there, you know, maybe things that you suggest that people do to either notice when they're experiencing one of those three things, combat them as they experience them? Um, Can you dig into that a little bit? Yeah. So I, I didn't even know that this is something that I loved talking about until of course I was going on my own journey. And so when I'm working with people and of course myself, I have to do the work myself first. I was working with them around their personal lives and then noticing that the same kind of patterns were showing up in their professional lives as well. But then we have this whole cultural conversation around burnout and overwhelm. And it's just, socially acceptable. It's socially acceptable to be exhausted and burnt out, but not too many people are saying, Hey, I'm actually not that. And this is why, um, that takes courage to kind of leave the pact and to talk about, okay, why aren't you right? And there's so much going on there. So for anyone who's finding themselves afraid, fear definitely coming up, or you are constantly riddled with guilt, and maybe you do or don't know what resistance is, or you're chronically overwhelmed. One, you're a normal human being, normal. It's not that other people don't feel these things. It's that they learn to not allow that emotion to run the show. So going back a little bit, when I talked about, you have to listen to yourself. I started doing this, I guess you could call it, I don't know, whatever you want to call it intuitive practice. But when I was extremely overwhelmed, extremely afraid, there's a story that I tell in my book. And I remember one night I was home from treatment. I was on the bathroom floor. I was curled in fetal position and I was paralyzed in fear, right? So we all know that feeling of being paralyzed in fear, feeling guilty, being paralyzed and overwhelmed. And so I'm sitting there and I'm just like, numb, but I'm crouched like in a ball on the bathroom floor. It's like three o'clock in the morning. I don't want to wake up anybody. I don't want to inconvenience them with my emotions. So I'm crying and I'm trying to like keep in the sounds and I'm trying to like keep my tears in. And I hear this voice inside of my head. Like I'm listening to myself and it's like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I'm like paralyzed in fear. 
And then all of a sudden I said to myself, kind of like self-coaching, okay, how do you want to feel? Be present, Heather. You are right here in the room. You are not dead yet. Like today in this moment, you're not dead. So stop telling yourself you don't want to die. You are not dead. What's the opposite? I want to feel alive. I want to feel alive. I want to feel alive. So then I'm like, how can I feel alive? And that's when it hit me. Because in that moment, I realized that I was living my whole life out of fear and I did not know how to feel alive. And so that's really when I started that practice that I call energetic time management, where I reverse engineer. And I talked a little bit about the micro habits and what you want to do. And guilt is the same thing. So when I feel really, really guilty, I'm asking myself, I'm self-coaching. I'm like, listen, and I literally talked to myself in third person, like Heather, is this true? Is it true by you going to the gym, by you going for a walk, by you investing in X, Y, Z, by you, I don't know, making yourself a separate meal because you want to eat something different. How is that taking away from anybody else? How? Like, tell me. And I don't have any evidence. So it's like, I'm proving the emotion wrong. I'm like, ah, no, that's not true. Okay. I'm not going to, I'm going to make that meal. I'm going to go for the walk. I'm going to create that space. I'm going to invest in the thing. And so it's not allowing the emotion to run the show. It's allowing yourself to feel it, but not act from it. Wow. That is, you're reminding me a lot today of my co-host who is amazing, but (laughs) this reminds me of a little analogy Kira has about when we let, we can let fear in the car with us, but we don't let it drive. And this is kind of what you're, what you're talking about. It's not about stuffing the feeling or not feeling it, but it doesn't mean it gets to be the boss and we can challenge it. The other thing I really appreciated is that your method of challenging that feeling from trying to run the show is questions. Mm -hmm. And we really value questioning, walking our kids even through questions as they feel their big feelings. And, and yet here again, Here's this fresh, fresh new piece to my ears of walking ourselves through that list of questions. I think that can be really powerful and kind of challenge those limiting beliefs that we all have that would have us be stuck in the fear or stuck in the guilt. So I I think a series of questions is a really, that's really excellent. And again, why are we not applying all these things to ourselves. I think that's even a challenging question we can ask. Hey, if I would do that for someone else, if I would do that for a friend, if I would do that for a family member, if I would do that with my child, why wouldn't I do that for me? Mm-hmm. And what this really reminds me of is at one time I was telling my therapist that I'm really working to put people and relationships over things and tasks. I want to I want to focus on people and I want to be present in those relationships. And so I said, my real goal here is I'm working on people over tasks. And she said, what if you were one of those people? Ooh, that's a good one. And I I feel like here's some other ways you are saying that same thing. What if you're one of those people? Hey, mom, to yourself, what if you're one of those people? What if you don't need to feel guilty about saying no to helping again with the PTF? You know, I I think this is just really going to be so impactful for our listeners because we are 
big believers in going through that series of questions. Don't be afraid to peel back the layers and get under that complexity and that nuance and peel the onion and you're definitely peeling it. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. And thank you for just kind of challenging us to include ourselves in all the things we would want for other people. I mean, that's hugely important. And I don't know if it's been said quite that way on our show before. So really appreciate that. But before we wrap up, I want to give you a chance to kind of tell us how, how could our listeners connect with you if they want to know more, tell us about your book. We want to know all the things. Before I do that, I just feel really called to say something about what you were just saying, because I think this this is really important. What I've noticed as a mother is that when I can master something in myself, because I would still put myself last on the to-do list and people look at me like, oh, it's so easy for you. And I'm like, no, it's not. Some days I have to dig really deep as to my why, and I have to go way, way out in, in my circle to figure it like, I got to dig deep, but here's the thing. It, when my children approach me with a big fear or a big dream or something happened at school, or they're just have, they're just overwhelmed with schoolwork or life, or, you know, they're just being human. I'm not triggered when I'm doing the work myself because I feel like I can teach them. And that's part of my big why. We forget that we are our children's teachers. We are the role models for them. They see us. And in the last year and a half, two years, most of us have spent a lot of time with our children. And I don't believe that, you know, our children's behavior is a reflection of us because I think part of that comment is very intertwined that we're taking responsibility for everything that our children do. And I think we need to realize that they are their own being and they're going to have their own life journey. And we need to be respectful of that and their ups and downs as well. And they also need to learn to take radical responsibility for their actions and how they want to feel. But when they do have feelings or life circumstances, it's like, if you don't know how to hold space for yourself, if you don't know how to challenge your own resistance, if you don't know how to look fear in the face and say, Hey, you're sitting in the passenger seat today, I'm running the show. How the heck are you going to teach your child to do that when they're afraid of something? Are you just going to go in there and rescue them? So when we're like, I still can't do that, Heather, I feel really guilty Don't make it about you. Make it about the impact that you're going to make because you're a leader, you're a role model. So if you want to get more of me, I talk a lot about this on my podcast, Mom is in Control, my book that came out in March of 20. I was like, what year did it come out? Who I don't even know what year it is anymore. It was this year it came out. Dying to be a good mother. You can listen to it on audibles as well or purchase it online anywhere books are sold. Um, And find me on Instagram at Heather Chauvin. Awesome. Kira, I just saw you come back from being muted. And I, I was like, you know, I wonder what she's saying behind her mute button because I, I just, I just know that you in particular were interested in this topic because of what it's been like for you for the last year and a half. So I'm, I'm curious, how has this half hour been for you? 
Oh, it's been amazing. And I think a lot of what Heather's saying is spot on, right? That how can we teach our kids if we aren't teaching ourselves and and exploring those same discomforts? Because it is, I think for me, what stuck out was the resistance piece, because I think we as humans, we resist, you know, going against status quo, we resist doing even what we know is best for us, right? And I think it, it's it's uncomfortable to do these things, especially as women, I think in particular, because we're not told that we should, could, can, but to push through the discomfort of that, if we are doing that, it's a whole lot easier to help our kids learn how to do the same thing. And that's so very important. And Dina, you and I talk about the modeling piece all the time. So I, yeah, I just, I really love it. And and what it's reminding me of is, you know, one of the things I've shared on the show before is that over the pandemic, I started working out because I really needed it. And I had to push through that resistance of, oh my gosh, I'm ignoring my kids again because I have to ignore them while I'm working and I have to ignore them, you know, while I'm doing the laundry and all these other things. And they were home and I felt like I was constantly ignoring them. And this feeling of like, now I'm going to ignore them by choice for something for me. But it became so obvious that then once I was done with my workout, I was just a much better mom. <laughs> Yeah, it was worth it, you know, for everyone, for me to take that time. And so I think, I think more of that and, and the resistance to go back to how it was the resistance against my life is supposed to look busy for it to be fulfilling. I mean, I, that just is really what struck me most from this conversation. So thank you, Heather. And, and Heather, you're also speaking our language. I, I was, I was noticing how many times I was like, yes, we, we talk about that. I mean, especially this piece about we can't really teach our children to do something mm-hmm. and we are our children's first and best teachers. We say that all the time, but we really can't teach them if we're not implementing those things ourselves. And it really brought up for me, the nurture piece, Kira, I know this will probably resonate with you, but if, if we're learning to question and deal with those big feelings that crop up for us. It also really not, not nurture, sorry, the normalizing piece. I think it really brings great stories to light for our kids about the ability to empathize and say, you know, that happens for me too. I get scared. You know, I have to challenge my fears. I have to. And I just think whenever we can normalize for our kids and make them aware that what they're experiencing is not unique, they're not an Island. They're not some kind of bizarre anomaly. And that's really helpful and loving too. So this has all just been great. And listeners, I know that you've probably gotten a lot out of this too. Please don't fret if you're concerned about, hey, how will I find her and all the things? Because we're going to put all that great stuff in the show notes as well. You'll be able to connect with Heather if you want to learn more, if you want to work with her, if you want to get a hold of a copy of her book, that will all be there for you. So we encourage you to check all that out. And we also look forward to bringing you some more Raising Adults next week. Please, in the meantime, if you haven't already, follow the podcast on your favorite app. And remember, you can also, in a pinch, listen right on our website, futurefocusedparenting.com. And we always announce those new episodes drops and there's quotes and parenting tips on our social. So Facebook and Instagram, you can find us at Future Focused Parenting. We look forward to being back with you next time. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded partially in Kira's laundry room, partially in my coat closet. Editing by the amazing Allison Preisinger. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening.